Well, hello and welcome back to the Back of the Band podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Walden, of course. Co-host Joe McGlade, as always. Yeah. And a very special guest today. Really happy to finally get Abby, Abby Cutchford on the podcast. A comedian, TV presenter, all tricks and trades he's into. Um, actually in New York at the minute. It's a bit of a, um, a distance <laughs> between us. We're Chesterfield, England and New York. Um, yeah. How's it going in New York at the minute? Hey, Charlie. Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me. It's good. I mean, we're we're phasing from summer into fall. So the weather goes from like hot and humid, super rainy to very cool and crisp. You got a hoodie on right now. That's what that's what we call the, <laughs> the article of clothing you're wearing. <laughs> I don't want to do that this whole episode, but I don't get a chance to talk very often to people from Chesterfield. Is that what you said? Chesterfield, yeah. Great. So, uh, so yeah, I don't know if in Chesterfield they they call it a hoodie, but I love it's like them. A jumper, and yeah. you can I would tell be wearing a jumper right now if I could. But it's you can tell the long. difference between what countries are in because one, what two, one half's wearing jumpers, the other one's wearing a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You, you can tell. And, where we yeah, are. and it's not raining here. I just left the shower, so I don't know. Joe, your hair is a little bit curly yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. you got some product yeah, in there. Yeah. I got okay. out of the shower as well not so long ago. <laughs> I just know it's like you have got similar hairstyles actually. If Joe grew his hair out, you look pretty similar. Nice. Yeah. I'm a I curly fan. Yeah. But you've got some I've volume got to your hair, Charlie. Do you reckon? Everyone always says mine's pretty thick. No, I mean, yeah, whatever you're doing hair. right now, it's got some height. Uh, so that. yeah. I don't get many comments on my hair. So you're already my favorite <laughs> yeah. person. <laughs> I think we could just, I'm happy to be that. And I think we should turn this into a, a hair product comparison <laughs> podcast now. Well, like, should, what are we, we using? If we're complimenting my hair, we should. Listen, all I use is a bit of sh- shampoo and a, a bit of conditioner every now and then. I don't know what. Joe oh my uses. goodness. He's Joe. a no, he's a no maintenance, low maintenance guy. Very, very. Joe over here, on the other hand, I can tell yeah, just put, mooses put, and like, gels. Serum. Yeah, yeah, I put like serum. He's got head. a private he's barber at his house. Curly. Yeah, but he's naturally <laughs> curly, but I put like serum and everything in to make it even curlier. So I always do that. I pow- love serum. That's like a, that's a fancy yeah. bottle serum, at least. Yeah. You know. All secrets are coming out now. I didn't know this about Joe. All secrets are coming out now. Yeah, mm-hmm. the serum. I always put serum on. Big, big, this big secrets coming out. Um, how is work for you then in um in New York? Are you managing to commute to work okay with sort of COVID stuff and uh, yeah, people well, or is it in person? A lot of my work is done from home still because of um COVID. And so voiceover auditions can be done from home. I just put on headphones and use a microphone either to record ahead of time or have an interactive recording. Um, and same for auditions. Like uh, normally I would take a train into the city. I live in Brooklyn. So it's like a 30 minute ride into Manhattan where a lot of the casting agencies are. And we would just all line up. A bunch of people that look like me would sit in the same room and wait for our turn to go in and see somebody who has a camera in a different room and they would record us on their camera and then send us home. But now it's just, you record with your own phone or your desktop and it's either live or it's self tape ahead of time. So I do even though I've been riding the train into the city for different things, errands and shopping and stuff, I wish we could do it for work again, just to separate the whole work and home yeah. environment. Although, I mean, you kind of have a sweet deal there because you can just fall asleep when you're done. I, th- I tell you what, I thought this working from home was a good idea. Joe says, I said, we had college uh, start of this year. We just wrapped it up and we was working oh. from home the majority of the time. And when we finish, and when like obviously we do our work and that TV's right here, for example, where I am. So sometimes I'm getting bored. Of, ah, I might whack, whack that. A show is show based in New York. I might whack. I met your mother on, for example. Next minute, two hours in to work, I'm I'm, I'm watching TV and lecturers doing a lecture, and I'm watching I met your mother. So oh my goodness, different distractions really when you're home. I feel I'd rather be like like you say, 
in the True. actual place because otherwise like i say you're laying in bed on your phone you're watching tv you're gonna make you send something to eat every 10 minutes i mean it's it's hard yeah. to find that balance really it's like a white collar prison <laughs> you don't get around you've got some freedom your comfort but it's real limited it's yeah, very even communing with communicating with people in real life is better in it because when we were doing them zoom calls we could barely speak to each other so like when we obviously when we got into class it were more fun and we were a bit more rowdy but of course that's a good part as well yeah like even seeing people big brother's not watching you've got your teacher right yeah. on the same screen as you guys so what's the we did, yeah. exactly i was having to try and crack a joke at me charlie less of that joke you know I mean? so you could the comedy side couldn't come out of me and then i'm a big prank so i like to pull jokes oh, and prank no. people, so <laughs> the best we could do really is when we were doing a kahoot, all I could do was make some silly names up and that. So, oh, that's I fun. I mean, everybody fun, else yeah. got entertained, but you you were probably like exhausted by the end of the day. Yeah, this is pretty boring. <laughs> always yeah, to what always joke about a friend going on a bike ride, or when one didn't answer, we'd always joke about someone's gone to the zoo or something. And then teacher would obviously be like, uh, teacher would obviously be like, I am really, as it were. It was funner. Yeah. <laughs> I've, got an issue. I've got a quick question for you. What's quicker, yeah. the bus or the train? Um, depends where you want to go, but typically the train arrives more regularly than the bus. We have a system in my area where you can, it's so it changes all the time, but you can text a certain code that's on the bus stop to a certain number and they'll tell you how far away the bus is. That doesn't mean the bus is coming quickly, but it gives you answers. You know, it'll say, uh, you got a 30 minute wait and then you go, this sucks. And you go to the train. But, um, what's funny about it is that sometimes you'll go, and that code will be gone. Like they just decided yeah. no one gets a code. It's not going to work anyway. <laughs> or there's a brand new system in place where you can just push a button. And it'll say your bus arrives in two minutes. And you're like, this is so nice. And then a month later, it'll be gone. So it's a little, I don't know why these things come and go, but uh, it's not a reliable system. I think what is reliable is that you're going to wait wherever you are. That is, that is very yeah. true. It's essentially the same with the buses in the UK at the minute. I remember sitting at the bus stop at 8 p.m. Bus is meant to be there at 8.15. Didn't show up until 10, 10, 15. I'm actually sat there and it keeps saying to me. really sit there? Because it kept, these apps, yeah. they trick you. They say, oh, there's one in half an hour. There's one in 15 minutes. Look out. Then two minutes before it's meant to come, ba- vanished. Where's it gone? Come, vanished. Come. And I feel like an absolute idiot. I keep waiting for the next one and the next one. Of and course. It's gone. You're the um, world's most patient it, man. I don't think I could wait that long. Even when it said it would do, like it's uh, you'd have like two minutes left, and you've waited like fifteen minutes, and all of a sudden your bus says, "Oh, it's not turning up," so you've waited all that long, and then right. what you meant to do after that? Right. Well, tight, no, that's show, that's universal. It? Then I'm glad you guys have the same experience, but buses are infuriating the worldwide. Oh, definitely true. <laughs> the I, world I over. I, I wish I could get a train of the tram everywhere for sure, because they are so much more reliable. Just a bit more expensive, but definitely more reliable. Um, one question I do have is. Obviously, I watched a lot of TV and stuff, and I see in especially one of my favorite shows. I mentioned it earlier. How about your mother? Uh, there was a there was like a, a theory that New Yorkers hate New Jersey's Jerseyans. Is that a true, <laughs> is that a true thing? Is that, I want to know. Is that a true thing? Well, I wasn't born and raised in New York, and I still hate New Jersey. So I don't really know what <laughs> what it is about, Why? like how they how New Jersey is marketed to us. I never even watched How I Met Your Mother, even though it's super, super popular. I saw a few episodes here and there. So is that based in Jersey or Manhattan? New York, Brooklyn. New, New York. York. Okay. So New it's York, like Brooklyn, Friends. Yeah. It's Manhattan, I think. Oh, okay. I gotcha. So, okay. So they, is that a running gag that they hate Jersey? 
Yeah. Well, one reason I just went to my sister's place in Baltimore and I had to take the New Jersey turnpike. It's one of our expressways or highways. And I I got lost on it. And maybe that will embarrass my friends who know me, but I, I was just like, it's the curse of Jersey. I hate Jersey. And I, I got turned around and I got off and I had to get on and pay again. Cause you have to pay a toll every time you ride it. And, ugh. God. Well, yeah, so basically. yeah, that's one reason people don't like New Jersey, but I mean, <laughs> okay. it's much, there are it, benefits to living there. It's like more affordable. It's better for families. You have bigger houses and more space, but to me, it's not really aesthetically pleasing and it depends what section of Jersey you're even visiting. So yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Well, there was basically there was this one scene with uh, the guy called Ted. It was trying to get these. It was him and his mate were trying to um, basically pull these two women, and uh, they, they were they, they were making out they were New Yorkers, and they got in the taxi, and they were gonna say, "Oh, we're going back to our place." The women said that, <laughs> and then Ted realized, "Wait, we're not going to do it. We're going to New Jersey." And they go, "Yeah, we're from New Jersey, but it's based in New York." And he's like, <laughs> "Screw this! I don't care. I hate New Jersey. Get me out of the car." <laughs> We and have many, different values. Yeah. We have different values. And next minute they've been robbed in, in New Jersey. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and he's yeah, like, I hate well. New Jersey. And these two women have got a, a ride back from the cops and they go, Oh, can I have a ride back with you as well? The, the two men. And the, this cop mm-hmm. says, Born and raised in New Jersey. Sorry, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no I've always been, we've always wanted to ask that, to be honest with you. But um, how long have you uh, actually lived in New York? I've been in New York almost a little over 15 years. I don't know. Quick math is not my thing. So the year I moved here was 2004. 2004. Now it's 2021. But where did you um, live originally? Uh, Indiana, Indianapolis, Indiana. So that's in the Midwest. We're known for the Indianapolis 500 race that happens once a year in the summertime. And for corn, that's, I don't know that it's a big export, but you can see a lot of cornfields when you're driving <laughs> through it. Okay. So why, why did you uh, move to uh, New York? I moved to New York to pursue to pursue a career in entertainment. Now there is an an entertaining scene in Indiana, but I don't think it's something you can make your your living off of there. And maybe to a small extent, but um, so what I was doing to get yeah, what I I left I graduated college and I came back home to kind of save money for a summer and have some odd jobs. So I worked as a substitute teacher and then um, a waitress, but I also wanted to see if I could start to make money in entertainment. And so I like auditioned through, you know, what do you call it when you look up jobs? Uh, it was Craigslist at the time, but I don't know Craigslist, what you guys yeah. use. We use anyway. Indeed, it's rubbish. Never yeah, okay. indeed, yeah. <laughs> rubbish. I would look up entertainment offers. So they'd be like audition for this role in an independent film. Um, and so I, I signed up with a local commercial agency and, and I didn't know they would sign me, but I just kind of showed up and said, Hey, I want to be in commercials. And so after a while, you know, what happens is they start to send you out. And if you book an audition, then you can, you know, they'd start to book you more or send you more. So I was starting to get a little bit of um, work that way. I was, I, you know, shot an independent film, very, very low budget, just a local thing. I shot some local commercials and then I wanted to try stand up comedy at our local comedy club. And I, so at this point, I don't really know what it is I want to do. I just know that I want to try to figure it out. And I think I even rented from the library books like stand-up comedy for dummies or oh, no, it was acting for dummies. I don't <laughs> think they have a stand-up comedy book yet. They had um, something called the Comedy Bible, which I think you guys probably have access to if you really want to get into stand-up. Um, Judy Carter wrote a how-to examining, I think, comedians from the 60s through the 80s and like their success okay. track and things that they would do. So it's a bit dated and people like to poke fun at it, but I found it to be a very helpful resource in 
giving me some sort of sense of how to figure this out. Cause I just thought writing standup was like, make a funny speech, you know, make yeah. something that I knew I had it. experience of doing that in school, but it's just, it's not speech and debate. It's like, or <laughs> forensics or whatever you call it. Um, so it's an actual conversation with the audience where you present an idea and then they enjoy that yeah. and then you keep it going. But uh, so, so I did the local open mic and I did really well my first time, which is kind of typical because you're so nervous that just the fact that you got it done, you've got all this adrenaline and relief when it's finished. And I started doing it throughout that summer more regularly in local venues and realized like, oh, this is what it feels like when a joke doesn't work. And yeah, it but it felt yeah. more freeing than auditioning and waiting to see if someone would cast you. Cause it's like, I just write it and get up on stage and I get people looking at me and they love it right away, you know? So to me, it's, I started getting a sense that I wanted to do stand up or pursue that as a career. And I also did a bit of dinner theater. And so that was comedy based where it's live. There's people eating food while you don different disguises and characters <laughs> and you've memorized the script. So it's a bit like acting, but it's not quite sketch and it's not quite improv. It's definitely not stand up, but it is a live bit of theater that's campy and funny. So I knew I have a sense of humor. I like to write. I love to be in front of an audience live and get a reaction from them and respond to that reaction. Like it doesn't make me clam up and want to run away and hide. It makes me want to like, you know, get in touch with them better. So so stand-up was really the thing that looked like it was the most fun for me. And so I moved to New York because a lot of the professional comedians that were coming through Indiana and hitting our co local comedy club were telling me how they got their career off the ground and where they were, you know? Yeah. So at that time I thought, oh, doing the road is kind of obligatory. In this day and age, you can live in a city where you can get a lot of performance opportunities yeah. and then parlay that into on-camera appearances and, you know, television work pays a bit more than road work, live performing, but you know, it just, you get, once you develop the skill of stand up and you can keep growing in it as long as you live and you can also turn it into different kinds of things. So what I do today is a little bit different than what I set out to do. Okay. So two part, two part question for me then. So you said, so when you, when you seen stand up, you sort of discover stand up. Was that like, that's it for you? That this is my passion now. This is what I want to really delve into. Obviously we're looking at the acting and stuff. And the second part is on those sort of early days of stand up, what was one of the biggest lessons you learned and the biggest piece of advice you learned? Well, the, the, the reason stand up <laughs> appealed to me at that onset was because my experiences with shooting commercials and they were, again, they were local commercials. These were not national airing commercials. So the size of the set is different. The level of professionalism is different. I wasn't in an acting union yet, so they could keep you all day long and not give you bathroom breaks oh. and not feed you. And this, I didn't know any of this. I was just there and excited to be God. there. So it was hard. And I was like, Oh, this is a lot of stuff I'm not in control of versus stand up where they just told me when to show up. And they put a spotlight on me and I decide how I look. I decide what I say. And the only thing I have to do is leave when they tell me to, you know, like, oh, time's up, time to get off the stage. So it felt like, I feel like a director and an actor and a producer here. You know, I'm sitting here yeah. waiting in a, yeah. Instead of waiting at a picnic table for them to call me over and say, okay, time to do your line, which is what the local commercial uh, experience felt like. And, um, and I did a little bit of local modeling and I did, um, you know, the dinner theater was actually tons of fun, but it wasn't, it was just not a viable career option. Like so I would what's, get, um, sorry, what's dinner yeah. theater? Oh, in dinner theater. Uh, and I don't know if it exists in other countries, but it is 
a thing where people come to eat dinner and watch a show. But the way it was done at this particular dinner theater, it was called the Mystery Cafe of Indianapolis. So every show people watched, there was a murder mystery that would occur. Some character would that that me and another actor would play. There's two actors per show. We play a total of like six characters. We come in as, um, uh, a, you know, like, the, the, the wealthy aunt who kind of sets the scene of here's where you are tonight and here's <laughs> the year. Good. Then you then the other person comes in as the the skeevy cousin who's always up to no good and the wealthy aunt's like, mm, don't trust him. And then, you know, the aunt will die or the cousin will die. Who knows? Someone else will come, the same person comes back in with a mustache as a detective. <laughs> the way they chose to do it, okay? Um, I don't know how it is in other cities, but- it's super, I, like when I say can't be, that means it's like the audience is in on it. It's like, wasn't that just the lady who, a lot of fun, though, yeah. Though. And then someone else will play the detective. Uh, sometimes the person who dies is also who comes back as the detective. <laughs> and, and the way they set up this particular dinner, uh, it was interactive. Like the characters could improvise, improvise with the audience and be like, did you see anything? You know, and, and the person eating soup would be like, I, I don't know. Ask my wife, leave me alone. You know, like they'd either be nervous or they would play along. To me. <laughs> Yeah. And so, uh, and that's part of the fun. And um, also another element of this script was that it was full of puns. So everybody's character name would be some kind of pun um, and some kind of cheesy joke. And so by the end of it, uh, like one of the dinner per people would be handed an envelope and told they were the killer and, and here's why. <laughs> so, <laughs> which now in hindsight is such a, it's like we came to watch you guys perform why are we the ones doing it but really the people loved it like they got great reviews and i loved working there and the the men that ran the place uh i think it was chris and joe are super super cool so whatever it just felt like yeah but that's not answering anyway so the the answer your first question i have more control doing stand-up which is why it appealed to me the other art forms i was trying to enter into under the guise of entertainment was 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 hard and frustrating and i was just out of college so i probably was a little bit delusional and entitled like this should be easy look here i am i'm ready to do it give me work and and i didn't know about like the waiting game and the work honing your craft and things like yeah. that so the second question do you remember your second part of your it question was, um, what lessons did you learn early on and what that was probably the best piece of advice you learned, you learned yeah you well received. two things stick out one and i want to get people's names right um a comedian named drew hastings had I had a book, an autograph book, where I would just every time oh, I would cool. come to our local comedy club, which had the open mic on Tuesday nights, but regular shows throughout the weekend, I would come on the weekend, I'd bring my book, I'd say hello, that was a great show, will you please sign this? And, you know, give me any advice, you know, and so most people entertained it. He just wrote persevere in <laughs> an exclamation point. I don't even have this book anymore. I don't know where this book is, but I will never forget because he wrote it so big. And he didn't say anything. He just like, yeah, here. He even had a he had a cold that night, and so the the club owner gave him a hot a hot toddy, which was just like I don't know some rum tea drink, and he was just miserable. But I really appreciated they took the time yeah, to write it. Yeah. And cool. so, but he in hindsight had probably the best word to sum it up of just like you only you can really only you're out of the game when you choose to leave. So yeah. as long as you're auditioning and even if you're not getting booked, but you're still prepared and ready to audition, you're working, you're just not making money at it. Um, but when you 
say, Hey, you know, I don't want to be represented anymore or don't call me with the book bookings. I'm going to now work in an office. Like that's you leaving. Yeah. And I think that's important to know that like, as long as you're sticking with it and trying to grow, you're still doing it because in entertainment, like if you're not getting all the attention and getting all the work at a certain time, you start to feel like, what am I doing? I'm kidding yeah. myself. I'm an idiot. And so, um, so yeah, I like Drew Hastings advice, persevere. Uh, and then the other advice came from a comedian you may recognize, Mike Birbiglia. He's pretty big in the States okay. here. And he just, uh, I think we, we were exchanging emails because I he had gone to the college I went to and he was a few years ahead. So it was at a point in time cool. where he was approachable. Somehow his email was accessible to the world and I just emailed him. <laughs> I mean, you found me through social media. So now That's it's a bit it. different. You can, you can contact whomever, whenever, but you know, um, so I just wrote him. I was like, do you have any tips? And he said, yeah, write and write and write. And when you think you've written enough, write some more. And the point of that is just like the work ethic you have to develop and the self-motivation you have to have. This is like how I'm taking his advice is what keeps you going. Like you cannot just start to be like, well, I made something funny that people like, I'm going to do this for the next 20 years. It's, it doesn't exactly work that way. Yeah, and then you, you start to like hate bit. yourself and yeah, and the audiences find it to be stale. So just, yeah, you just keep, and, and how you, when you keep working on it and you keep constantly like writing, you obviously get better at it. You learn something more about yourself. You get more comfortable on stage uh, by, by writing more. You want to tell the jokes that you've written. So the secret to getting better at standup is to keep doing it over and over and over. I definitely Did you agree. ever, did you have any hecklers and did it ever knock your confidence when you were younger doing your stand-up comedy? No. Yes, I had hecklers, but no, they did yeah. not knock my confidence. I think my <laughs> biggest heckler is like me, you know, coming up like anxiety oh, yeah. really can impact how you're doing something the same way. I think in gymnastics or in not gymnastics in Olympics, like Olympic athletes yeah. have to have these like minds Mindset, of steel. Yeah. And so uh, I think because you're up against something that isn't natural, like standing in front of a room full of people staring at you can trigger fight or flight. Uh, and so like on a subconscious level, you're like, oh, wolves are going to eat me. What do I do? You know, and the answer is to say the jokes that you prepared and then the audience calms down and then you feel like, ah, oh, I've lulled them into a stupor. Here's my next joke. And so uh, like all that's happening, I think on a subconscious level like consciously you're like hey guys and everybody's like hey and then you do your jokes and, and you <laughs> it's not that deep Wait, but i i think it does trigger survival instincts and so when someone heckles that is some like you're you're losing a bit of control or you have the potential to lose control i think the more you're doing stand-up the more you experience like going into it oh there's a bachelorette party here yeah. these people are celebrating and they're going to want to be focused on what they're laughing about. So there's going to be pockets of laughter that aren't with the jokes and you might encourage the room to poke fun at them or, you know, guide the room's focus to you. There's drunk people. I've <laughs> never been in the kind of position where someone wants to fist fight me after a show, which I know a lot of <laughs> comedians, some comedians have that experience. I, that is not mine. That's not my brand. That's not what I radiate. Like come fight me after this. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, I think, um, there has never been a heckler where I was just like, oh my gosh, I have to quit comedy now. Or, oh, that was horrible. I lost them and I never got them back. Uh, because sometimes you do and you go, well, I'll perform again tomorrow. Or those guys suck. And you start to tell yourself like, I hate them. <laughs> they, they were a bad crowd, you know? And you start to make it not your problem the same way you might if it was a 
if it was your boss that hated you in an office. Yeah, you know? that's very true. Yeah. <laughs> if you're getting heckled by your boss, that's a problem. <laughs> He's like, yeah. So well, when, you, when you get these heckles, sorry, when you get these hecklers, is it in your yeah, like, yeah. What what they sort of say is it is it typical? You suck and all very very rubbish. <laughs> I can't imagine that very rubbish. I mean that would it? hurt. That would hurt emotionally. I think <laughs> yeah. if someone was like you, because I have had people. My heckle that is like the equivalent of you stink is uh, <laughs> you know when someone sarcastically ah, yeah, laughs after you try to make a joke, well, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> go away. <laughs> I can't see you no more. Yeah yeah yeah. Can't I get you. it. I'm not funny to you. Um or you know or it's never fun when just people are silent for a stretch. Like it used to bug me to play colleges because I was past college age, but I'm now trying to entertain young people and they're not used to paying a ticket and seeing a show in a theater. So they're yeah. just like rolling into their auditorium the way they would any other thing that's happening there. So they'd be sitting back like this, not engaged. And you really have to win them over. Try to pick them up, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, if you were not getting last for a long time, also known as bombing, if you start to bomb, they just start to be like, person <laughs> and then you see <laughs> them whispering she? what is she doing you know and then it becomes like they're more entertained by how they're making fun of you and you know it but you can't make them talk to you about it because they just are like mm, figure it out and <laughs> and sometimes you never do and you're just like well i still get paid you know like you have to find a silver lining to those things like the whole point of stand-up isn't to be even though we see it on tv as wow this person really entertained me and they're really in control and their life must be pretty nice. <laughs> That's rarely the actual thing that happens. It's like, uh, my life is hard, but I came here to entertain these people. So let me just do the thing that I know how to do. And then the audience is like, my life sucks. I hope this person doesn't remind me of my life. That's hard. And then, you know, you kind of like sit in a room together and, and as soon as you say, as soon as a comedian says something that speaks to, the experience of an audience it's like some relatable piece of material the audience unwinds it's it's really nice and i think at this point in my career i know going into a venue whether an audience is excited to be there whether they're primed to be there whether this show is being forced upon them <laughs> some private gigs where you get hired by a third party that's like i got you this gig in pennsylvania and it's like oh, they don't awesome. even know a comedian is coming <laughs> it's just like a private event where people are like why is there a comedian here? Who's that? You're like, <laughs> and you're like, hey, everybody, the bus takes forever. And why am I holding a mic? I have a mic right here. Uh, you know, and people are like, why is she talking about the bus? Why is she interrupting our conversation? You know, and so that's an uncomfortable, that's not heckling, but it's also where you, it's just an unpleasant experience. So a lot of comedy, if the audience isn't ready for it, is a bunch of awkward experiences that you can laugh about later. I feel <laughs> but, like and then you learn about um, yourself. You're like, wow, I did great, even though they were horrible. What? What are your thoughts on, because I know a lot of British people see um, American comedy is cheesy. So like, what are your thoughts on when people, when like, especially the British people say Amer American comedy is cheesy. Like, what would you say your answer is to that? I don't know. Yeah, probably is. <laughs> I think, um, <laughs> I don't know what they find to be cheesy. I love British humor, so I don't know. Um, I, I don't even know if it's accurate to call you guys intellectual because I think I've seen silly British humor too. You know, like... Um, I don't even know if I threw a name out there, if it would be somebody you're watching right now, because we're getting stuff late. Who do but, you like from the UK? Well, uh, I, first of all, I only know, is it Noel Coward? Is that his name? No, yeah. Okay, okay yeah. I only know I him through British Bake Show. I watched him co-host that and I thought, this man is quick-witted. <laughs> so I looked him up and then I saw him on his own sketch show. It was like a two-man show. And I thought, oh, he's Little Britain. Yeah. 
I thought yeah, his comedy is very yeah. absurd. And then I started watching the IT crowd. Do you call it the it crowd or the IT crowd? It crowd. Uh, it crowd call, yeah. call, okay. Yeah, the yeah, it yeah. crowd. Kind of like yeah. in crowd. I started watching and I saw him play his character there. And I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's so talented. So I kind of, I don't know if I discovered him backwards, you know, in the order that he had already built his career, but you can tell even despite like the, the platform someone's on when they're talented and what their style is and if that appeals to you or not. And so, um, yeah, are we cheesy? I would call American humor. I'd say not. Crass, yeah. uh, like a bit self-focused um broad i would call it loud and broad like yeah. a lot of, we're encouraged i think when we start to do act outs which is where you set the like paint a picture with someone talking and using physicality so it's like uh instead of saying my mom made a sandwich it's like you ever walk in on your mom during breakfast and then you peanut butter anyone we eat peanut butter. <laughs> so you know like that's an act out where you're spreading peanut butter and then you're doing the mom's voice so it's like uh what I noticed when I, I studied abroad in France, like right before, right as I was finishing college and I got into the comedy scene there or what was presented as comedy through their television and film media. Like I didn't see any live com comedy shows. Actually I did. I saw one in a theater. It was great. Franck Dubosc. But it was very theatrical. Size. It, it was like one man show. What we call a one man show in the United States is, is what was I was seeing in France. It was like, um, they were already established somehow, like they had been on television already. And now you could see them live and you knew them from their show, but now they were doing a completely different performance piece. And it was, I don't know if they wrote it themselves, but in the United States, it's important that you write your own material Yeah. until you get to yeah, be a yeah. certain level. And then you recruit other standups to write with you. Um, so yeah, I think um, in the UK, have I ever seen, is Hannah Gatsby from your country? I think she's from Australia. I don't know. I've never seen her, but I've heard the name before. She might be. I don't know if you ever seen like Ricky Gervais, someone like that. Jimmy yeah, Carr. Ricky Jimmy Gervais. Carr you know, like well. there are some yeah. of your guys that we like import and then we consider them our own John Oliver. <laughs> like I don't even think of them as British anymore. <laughs> but yeah. It's true. He does do a lot of work in America. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Like um, and Eddie Azard. I don't know. Does Eddie Azard still go by Eddie? Or I know that they, their pronouns are either they or does. she now. So yeah. I don't know if. Uh, they, but you know like i remember yeah. watching their specials and then um who else like oh what's the guy with the hair russell brand russell brand and then we got yeah. one of your guys uh to come over here gina yashere became big over here i don't know if she was big in the uk already so yeah i think yeah, yeah so she still she has an accent that i i clearly not american but you know <laughs> she's so integrated into our comedy scene now um so yeah, like I, I don't know. The sense of humor I would say is quick-witted in Britain and sharp and sometimes intellectual. Monty Python was goofy, super, yeah. super silly, silly, you know, fun and pleasant. Yeah. And Mr. Bean is fun and pleasant, you know, Rowan Atkinson. But uh I'm like referencing people who are your great grandfather's <laughs> age. <laughs> I've watched I Mr. Like Bean. Rowan Atkinson, Mr. Bean. I, I like Mr. Bean, yeah. <laughs> if you have like you were asking me about like <laughs> actors from the black and white era, you're like, so Cary Grant, do you ever work with him? And I'm like <laughs> <laughs> but sorry this is this is who we have access to in your world i don't know who your like 20 something year old comedians are right now i think we're i think we're just sarcastic aren't we i think we're just more sarcastic than like americans i think we just like a bit more sarcastic and like um a bit more darker i think but oh yeah I yeah know jimmy oh, yeah, yeah. J jimmy carl's one of my favorite comedians he's, he's hilarious his laugh always gets me on it's like a foghorn 
it's constant like a oh my gosh i've noticed that with with some comedians that sometimes the jokes aren't funny but the laugh that they have is just like makes their jokes funny somehow yeah 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 (laughs) as long as someone's sharing themselves and they're having a good time it's usually easy to like start to like their comedy um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, corny can be, it really depends how you're defining corny in America because <laughs> we have, opinions. well, we have edgy comics. We've got dark humor. We've got people who, um, are, uh, like clean comedians. Like that's a brand of comedy where it's like, you're not talking about drugs or sex or, um, anything the like death, but you're are like talking about family. There's like family comedians. So it just depends. My humor is like autobiographical. It's relatively clean it's only slightly irreverent um i i wonder how i would play in in the uk i would actually like to get over there and try it and just see (laughs) and and experience the awkward audiences that you have (laughs) you know what to be fair i listened to one of your um comedy sets and I, the, one of the jokes stood out to me. I, I just thought it, it should make me laugh. But I thought like because I, I thought it was a really funny joke. It was about the receipt with uh, how do you get uh, how do you rent an umbrella? If you remember the joke I'm on about. Gosh, I would have to watch it again. Rent yeah. an umbrella. Uh, go out. Go out. Mm, so, I don't know. Exactly. What it was the clips I have there. available to the public are old, <laughs> but it was like six it's not years something ago. I don't like. It's just it, something it, I probably don't tell anymore. But yeah, I'll check it, it, was it out. Like, go outside. Wait till it stops raining, and then take it back. I don't need it anymore to keep the receipt yes 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 yeah 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 that's it that's how i save money you can rent an umbrella <laughs> i act like there's a, an umbrella rental service available and really it's just about returning the item before, before you've used thing. it too much i was yeah, thinking yeah, about yeah. it but like, i should do that i don't, I don't know if i can do that i'm not yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the joke's supposed to yeah i've just ruined it for your audience now but like yeah. did you know at bed bath and beyond you can rent an umbrella and the audience usually was like no i didn't know that and i'm like yeah you just uh it's in your new policy. It's called return. What is it called? What is this joke? Return the receipt or something. Yeah, keep, the receipt. Keep, keep the receipt. Keep the receipt. Keep the there receipt. You go. That was it. Um, just, now just... make it your own and apply it to a store that exists in Chesterfield and boom, you got it. <laughs> well, they're too tight, Chesterfield. They won't let you get away with anything like that. As soon as you bought it, that's gone. They've took the receipt in the bin. <laughs> Keeping them money there. Keeping the money there. Not letting out back there. Trying to, trying to get a refund of Chesterfield. It's like trying to get blood out of stone. <laughs> Tell you that, good to huh? know good to know <laughs> yeah so you ever buy anything just for you want it back money back <laughs> i'd go somewhere else and try because like, it's like you're offending their honor <laughs> yeah. you're asking for a fight okay yeah, that, exactly know. that exactly that um well, i've got some rujuwaras to get to go over so i'll just can't continue from there let's anyway. do it do you think your listeners are having trouble understanding me because of my accent right now definitely not and how you, fast i talk no. to be honest we are most think, of our guests are american okay Great. We've had like one you're mostly American. Why is that? Why don't you interview the local Chesterfield uh, comedians? Just fine. <laughs> I don't get I just find America's more appealing to be honest for you. I just find America's more appealing. And our it? corny humor. Like for example, we did, <laughs> yeah, corny as Joe put it, cheesy humor just out with America's cheesy. Like that. That's what it was. Cheesy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like for example, they did an interview with this um, Australian um, TV presenter at like half six in the morning at this time because we just thought. Ooh. that that's a crazy idea with just real fun. So we just thought, this stands out really. I thought it was just a bit of a different idea than what most people would be doing. So, of course, just, sounds like fun. Different, so different fun. nations appealing to me. <laughs> you're in um, your pajamas eating breakfast cereal while you interview him. Joe was about dying. I was barely awake. I was barely awake. I'm convinced 10 minutes. I, I think I good to. I don't think I went to bed till like half two and we got up at half six. I was, I was dying at the start of that. I was like, whoa. 
no fun. Cool um, wallpaper, by the way. Are those real, or is that just uh, the wallpaper? Thank you. Nah, it's just um Marvel wallpaper. Yeah, I see I it repeating. Yeah, it's cool. Thank you. <laughs> very, very, he's a big anime fan. You see, he's got all his anime stuff in the background. Yep, yeah. I can but, tell. Charlie, what does yeah. your background say about you? Mine's a bit weird. Mine's um Cobra Kai. Football. Yes, yes. <laughs> Good show Kai. and cool Do you movie. Watch that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like the show and the okay. movies, you know. We, we're going to be great friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cobra Kai. I've got two Cobra Kai uh, number plates. I've got a Breaking Bad poster. Uh, that's my football club's license plate, who I support. Great. And then nice. there's a two prints my nice. mate did me, the pictures I had. So Aww, not, not as good nice. as Joe's, but it's... Um, well... <laughs> my Joe was as the same. Step it up, Charlie. Work <laughs> yeah, on it. it but I do like your background. Your background's beating me and Joe together. Really yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Just a reminder to your people watching. Up early, Up tonight. early tonight. If you have to access that. to Hulu. Yeah. Gonna get to that, I can't wait to talk about that show. It's uh, very interesting for sure. Um, Thanks. We'll get into the uh, job. This is some crazy woodjobs. Some of them are a bit, bit, bit weird. <laughs> Just uh, mix them from the different packs. So the first one is I'll come to you first, Joe. Um, would you rather be smart but a total jerk or really sweet but really dumb? Smart. I'd rather be smart with like weird out. I know if that's because I like, watching too like you said too much anime and all them characters are smart, but I'd be smart and a jerk and I, I don't really mind. <laughs> yeah, Joe's got a big blood <laughs> complex, so I don't think he, I, I was pretty his answer for this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. too bad, this feels like this feels like Charlie was just trying to describe different ways he sees you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you like it when you know stuff but you're so a jerk about it or <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like you when you're sweet, even though you're dumb. <laughs> um all right cool joe wants power okay don't, yeah. don't get in his way i'm probably the same i I'm, i'd like to be smart sometimes i'm very slow with things i remember you sending me the um the liquid form joke when i told, told you it was five hours ahead and it was you asked about ketchup you said what's it like in the future is ketchup in liquid form in containers. <laughs> I, I, I was sat there <laughs> for half an hour. Like, what the hell does this mean? Is this cold? I'm like, I sat there and I, I didn't get it. And I was like, I sort of guessed in liquid form. I messaged Joe and said, Am I being crazy? And he says, Mate, I've got that in two seconds. It's because we're in the future. So I'm very slow. So I love to be smart, to be honest with you. Hey, um, how you're smart. You? Um, oh, um, depends what I mean. Honestly, it depends like what you mean by not smart because I, I, I'm pretty limited in my what I know, you know, the things I know, I know, but there's way more that I don't. So and I'm pretty, pretty easygoing. So I guess I have to choose the second one because that's who I am. Um, but uh, like, how evil am I if I'm smart? Like, am I hurting people with my intelligence? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it would be described. All right, well, some people have to, some people have to fall. What for my own ego, just so I can feel like more important than other people? I don't know. What's the benefit of being vastly intelligent if it's to save the world by discovering a cure to a disease and I happen to um isolate myself from everyone? Then I, I guess I could see the value. Yeah, that's I've true. saved the planet. I don't need to hang out with you guys. <laughs> but me and Joe is jerks. <laughs> me and him are just yeah. jerks. We'll take me as well. We'll be jerks. You're just bullies that ace all the yeah, tests. Yeah. That's what you're imagining. Come out yeah. with it. Just a jerk. Yeah. Yeah, just a jerk. I mean, you can't be nice, be a jerk. Um, so the next one is Would you rather smell like cheese, which has been left in the sun, or a hamster cage that hasn't been cleaned for a fortnight and is full of constitutionals? Oh, that's really, that's really embarrassing either way. Cheese or that's a tough one. poop. <laughs> poop but like how long, how long am I smelling like the cheese? Forever. Oh, that's just your general scent. 
I guess you gotta you gotta go cheese and then you have to work in a cheese factory so no one notices. It kind of oh, defines yeah, your yeah. life, but <laughs> but it, it allows you to still have friends. <laughs> yeah, or or conversely, smell like a hamster cage and work on a farm, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You, you actually probably would go. That's actually as well. I'd probably go with a farm on them because um look, there's a big big I said bigger farmer community than there is cheese factories. <laughs> so, great point yeah yeah true and, and cheese factory sounds cold and dark and boring yeah. whereas a farm you've got sunlight okay well that was easy i think and we it, all it's unanimous we want to smell like hamster cake. yeah and if you're outside yeah. the scent's not as bad so true. yeah the air will carry it away yeah and so blend in and the animals will love you i mean like animals love the smell of poop so they'll be <laughs> all over you poop, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> they'll be like you're cool this guy's cool <laughs> he's one of us yeah. <laughs> um, would you rather know how to die? This is actually quite. I always ask this one um, to every guest, and they're always like, "Oh, that's a bit of a, a brain twist to that." And with, to be fair, comedy podcast, we're on about death again. Would you rather know how to die or when you're ending it? How I die or when I die? How you die or when you die? I'm dying in 2056. I already figured that number out. I remember taking like the average. I learned when when I was like in grade school with the average age of lifespan was for women and i did the math i was like so that means i'll die in 2056 2058 it's one of those numbers so i feel like i've carried that time with me for a very long although lifespan has probably extended since then um and and it varies on different factors but i don't exercise you know so i don't it's not looking good for me i don't see myself going till 100 um how i die if you know how you die then you might try to avoid it so if someone says well, you get murdered in an alley. You're like, no, I don't because I'm never going near an alley again. You know, you try to avoid your fate. And in movies, they always try to make that seem like the mistake. Like, don't avoid your fate because then it causes some cataclysmic problem. So um, I guess it's better to know when so I can make plans than how, because the how, I think I I would still feel in control of it some way. I agreed. But then then one of the guests said, what if I said to you, you died in 15 minutes? Would it be like, oh crap, what am I going to do in 15 minutes? Yeah, you don't really get to plan. But why? what if you didn't choose? Like, you didn't choose to know the time and you still would die in 15 minutes? They'd say, you die at the end of this podcast. <laughs> that is <laughs> true. Yeah. Some sense of <laughs> the panic would be the same. Uh, <laughs> His face like this to me the entire time. Enjoy the last yeah, or if you were shown, life. I think about that. Like, what if you're shown exactly what you look like when you die? Well, then you'll know like a general idea of your age, or well, you'll know like your state. Am I sick? You know, or I look completely healthy. What do I die? Did someone kill me? And what do I drown? You know, like I think uh uh I don't know why. I think it, when you do know anything about your death, I think you're able to plan for it or mentally prepare for yeah. it. But the reason people don't want to know about it, or the way they they scare you off in movies about it is because you're supposed to live for today, not live for yeah. this inevitable that, scary future. That is true. I feel like as well, it would create like a mental toll. You know, say for like you said, an alleyway or like a road, for example. You never go on a road again, would you? You never, you, know, right. you walk on pathways all the time. So, I think someone say, says you choke on a cupcake. You're like, I'm never eating cupcakes as long as I live. Again. I mean, I you die anyway, that. though. That, that's the thing that you die anyway, no matter what. You'd have to die, like even if it's not that, you die by something else involving it. So. I'd go how um how what um how I die yeah I'd definitely go that Joe, Joe the Grim Reaper telling telling me how it is yeah out yeah. of curiosity do you have yeah, a way Joe how. that would be ideal 
Um, probably just old age, hopefully. Like, you know, like not not hopefully not like a plane crash because I have a big fear of planes. So hopefully not not like that. Me too. But yeah, hopefully like, just old age. Yeah. yeah. How was? How I would, would you not, not want to die a, then? Oh, not in a scary way, but in a. I mean, if you have, I don't know. I always thought like, wouldn't it be cool if aliens came down and like levitated you and then ripped your body in half and everybody was like <gasps> and they never forgot it <laughs> that would be like not the worst way to go <laughs> and then you become part of a legend that. and a folk tale your reputation lives on or, as the one person like ripped in half day. even like on independence yeah. day when that beam just comes down and just evaporates everyone like that's just easy and quick and it you don't feel anything so exactly like you don't like yeah cool. no matter how you die it's over after it's done but but yeah you're right now that you brought up movies where that does happen like in minority report where an alien will just like beam you <laughs> then then nobody really remembers that person you're just a background yeah, actor yeah, that nobody yeah, cares about yeah. <laughs> Maybe oh. I don't. Maybe there's better ways to go. Than what I don't I've know. Devised. I'm scared of heights. So I don't know. Being ripped into the air and having my bloody body ripped it off would be would be the <laughs> nicest way personally to go. You're yeah. like, just do it. Just do it while I'm in my bed. Just <laughs> yeah. Keep me at a level level ground. Don't take me in the air, please. Don't take me in the air. I didn't think about being scared of heights, but I went on a roller coaster recently for the first time in almost ten years, and I was no, not a roller coaster, a Ferris wheel. You know, like the like the, oh, the no, London no. Eye. Oh, yeah. And I was terrified. I was I was terrified by the height. Like once it got higher than a house, I was I was I closed my yeah, eyes so, instinctively. Yeah. I was and then once the car started swinging as it's supposed to do, we went into oh. the one that's not fixed, but you know, moves a lot. I just couldn't stop screaming. And, and so no, I, I didn't know I was afraid of heights. And then to try to attack that fear, I went on a roller coaster next and I just got motion sickness. So I just felt like the whole experience left me feeling like I can't enjoy this place like I'm young. I'm old. I don't. I, I don't mind coddled. some roller coasters. I definitely don't mind some. But you know when your feet are dangling because I'm terrified of heights on my feet. I can't get. I can't get on them roller coasters. But planes right. would be like so so much fear of like flying just because of the highs. I hate. I don't know. Like, yeah. I can get a roller coaster, but get on a plane. I, I don't know. I don't get. That. I roller coasters I are fun. Like I can't a plane is fun if you're having turbulence, is it? You know what I mean. But roller coasters fun when you go around up. Like, up the, wait, the upside down as well. They're even worse. Yeah, they see. Yeah, I, like I, mean, I don't know. They just give me a headache and they make me want to throw up. But I like the feeling of like your stomach dropping. Yeah. That part's exciting. But so yeah. that's the worst that part for me. I feel like I'm gonna. That is the what you're trying breath. to avoid, Charlie. Yeah, that's what <laughs> you're trying to avoid. That little breath, sphinx coming down is horrible. The worst. I think the anticipation happen. is worse yeah. than the actual drop. It's always a funny as well because. Because I, I always, every time I got on a roller coaster, I'm like, get me off, stop it, stop it. And it's already gone by then. So, like, I can't do anything about it. I'm shouting, get me off, get me off. I can remember yeah, one yeah. time, someone, someone, back, someone behind me was on it. Could he shut up? <laughs> I'm just going, man, so get me the hell off. Where's the compassion? Let me panic for God's sake. Um, yeah, 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 really. I mean, you can't, you can't worry about him. I remember I was so afraid. There was a period I was afraid of flying. It went away, thank goodness. I think because I talked to a friend who was a pilot. He pilots like commercial FedEx planes or something. And he was just like, I do it so much more often. I'm much more at risk than you. And I'm not even afraid, you know? And so for some reason, him telling me that I was just like, picture like I'm him. And only I'm not doing it as often as him. But in the period when I was afraid of flying, I, I remember so eating an apple. I had an apple in my hand. Oh, my daughter's coming through. She's a little. Good night, sweetie. I love you. I know. I'm sorry. She's she wants to be a part of the fun and she's upset. Sorry. She's okay, say hello. Say, say hello. She knows she's not allowed. So. 
she's like, I want to do your show. She came, we brought her to a comedy show, side note. And, uh, and the second she arrived, she wanted to get on stage while my husband, he's also a comedian, he was performing and I had to like chase her out and grab her. She's like only three years old. And the audience okay. was like, ah. Anyway, that's what you want to avoid. You, you don't, don't want you don't know hecklers with them, do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're heckling you. Essentially, your child is heckling you on stage by detracting the attention. So anyway, I, I had an apple in my hand and I was afraid of flying. And, and I was like, just give the apple was supposed to help me focus on something else. So I didn't start, you know, panicking at, at takeoff. And by the time the plane was done rumbling and we had like leveled out, I looked and the apple was completely gone. And I had eaten the stem, the seeds. Like I remember biting into it, like just eating an apple. Then it was just gone. And I thought I must've dropped it, but it was nowhere to be found. So I just ate, I made a whole apple disappear in my panic and didn't, and wasn't even mindful of it. Customers think, fellow passengers, I think, and they look across it and just eat well. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> no, it could have been my hand. Like, like Glad I stopped at the apple. Just eating away. Just eating away at the apple at the end. That's cool. I can't I mean, now. Yeah. I mean, I never used to have a fear of planes, but when I, I remember once it was three years ago, we're coming back from Toronto and then we had turbulence like 40 minutes and then everyone were asleep apart from me and like my brother. And then all of a sudden this plane takes a massive dip. And I was like, oh, oh, oh shit. It, it's over. So, and then everyone even wakes up. Like, there's a guy, there's a guy with a bag like breathing into it. There's all, all these old women have woke up all of a sudden and everyone's like, oh, oh no. And then it just turns out the turbulence were that bad that we had to set like a few like feet dive, you know what I mean? To get out of the turbulence. But, uh, but before that was never scared, but nah, I'm terrified. Even, even like a trip to Ireland, which is like 40 minutes on the plane. I'm mm -hmm. terrified. Oh, yeah. Hopefully Best you fight. didn't yeah, work through that. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's no fun. Someone <laughs> <laughs> so, so needs to give Joe a big cool hug when he goes on a plane. Because this man is scared. <laughs> I do. I need someone to hold my hand when I get onto a plane now. Of course. Someone, yeah. Someone that you can just like, yeah. like grab at their clothing and <laughs> throttle them. Like, ah! Someone you can scream in their face and be like, we're going to die. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Sometimes, every time I go on a plane, there's always two seats to each side. And it, uh -huh. it, was, it was always me, my brother, and my mum that go. So there's three of us, only two of us can sit together. And I, even though I'm terrified of playing, I'm still like, yeah, save, save my brother, save my brother. He's not scared, but save my brother, just save him first. Neither of us, save him. <laughs> so I always sit on my own, like a complete stranger, terrified. And I can't grab this because strangers are like, get the hell off me. I just met you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's your left Like, guy. my name's Charlie. <laughs> Don't move. <laughs> Let's do this nice together. To meet you. Yeah. <laughs> what a way to meet someone who's never been around on a plane. <laughs> um, yeah. The, the final one, the final job, a bit of a weird one. I was going to bring this in actually when you mentioned peanut butter, but uh, I thought I'd leave it so we get to the questions. Uh, would you rather get a massage with peanut butter or maple syrup? Like what would bring me more joy? Is that the question? Would you rather give a massage or eat peanut butter with maple syrup? No, no, no. no. <laughs> Maybe I didn't understand the question. <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather have a day trip at the spa or a bag of crisps? <laughs> it's how I understood the question. No. All right, what? It was, it was, would you have, no, no, would you get a massage with peanut butter or maple gotcha. syrup? Oh, okay. Uh, what would feel better? Hmm. Hmm. I feel like maple syrup. Crunchy peanut butter. It's crunchy. Okay. Nah, there's syrup. some there's some stickiness, there's some texture there. I think I would go syrup too, just because of the you know, the less of friction, the better. How about you? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like um 
Especially crunch it, be rubbing along your back. Sometimes they put like they put like sharp things on your back when they get your massage anyway. So if it's a crunchy peanut butter, I think it would be a bit a bit, a bit better. Like that does maple syrup nice. would stick to your back and come up or drip off. I mean, I feel like it'd be a bit harder to get off and a bit of peanut butter, just spit water down your back and then it's gone in it. Whereas I think the maple syrup you've got to really scrub it off with a brush. Is That's that one thing Charlie didn't tell you, Joe, is you have to go home with this on your body uh, so. yeah. <laughs> and figure out how to get it off of yourself. <laughs> Yeah, but it changes that. everything. That's not much of a massage. <laughs> um, yeah, and the, the final one, um, I think, I think, I think I know uh, Joe's answer for this. But just for you, Abby, um, would you rather have pogo stick for legs or pogo mm-hmm. sticks for arms? Mm. Legs, because I couldn't. I would have trouble holding things. What What can you do with a pogo stick for an arm? I don't know. Actually, box but- of kangaroo. Like hang like <laughs> yeah, you're going yeah like pogo stick your way to work on a morning like handstand you know what I mean like put but on your hands instead and that'd be quite fun. Yeah, if you like walking on your hands or doing cartwheels. Yeah, 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 I mean, pretty fun to see. I, I guess made a good point where they said if you've got a baby, you've got a pogo stick for legs. You can sort of it's sort of balance because you move your legs are constantly moving because you've got pogo sticks. It sort of get, balances the like sort of rocks the baby up and down when you're rocking it. But be a bit right. comfort if you have a baby. I don't know if that. That works or not um, maybe uh, maybe because i'm used to using my legs the way i use them i would go pogo sticks for legs i don't do much with my hands in the way of punching and i'm not i don't use a wheelchair so i think i would rely on pogo sticks for legs over hands i really see it as a problem to try to like, eat a hamburger i don't even know what i would do with pogo sticks for hands i'm almost angry that you asked this question because that- the answer <laughs> seems so obvious like the apple situation again just this one, hey, yeah, they, well, no, knowing that I can inhale apples, maybe I could <laughs> use pogo sticks for hands and it wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> that was brilliant. That was brilliant. Um, so what that's so we've seen your background. I want to jump straight into that now then. Up early tonight, you was you repping it, uh, you represent your yep. previous interview as well with the with the Fox channel. Um so talk to you about that up early tonight, where the show came about and what the show's about for people that haven't listened to it and uh, obviously where you can find it. Up Early Tonight is a show by moms for moms, but you guys are allowed to watch, even if you're a non-mom. It's a comedy show. It's um, The format is late night, and it's uh, geared towards people who are new parents. So if they want some relatability and they don't want to feel like, oh, nobody gets what I'm going through, we get what you're going through. I have a kid. The panel of comedians with me have children too, and they talk. we talk about everything, but we don't talk about it in the corny, fun, sweet mom way it's we talk about like real real issues and things that we don't like about it and we make it funny so there's an opening monologue we have a little house band that's a one-woman show she's got some cool equipment lafresky and then uh we do some panel and there's some sketch comedy in there too we cut to different clips commercial parodies and um right now four episodes are airing on hulu so if you'd like to check it out or if you know someone who just had a baby and they're up at all hours this is something good for them to watch that they might find relatable I love that. So what time do you come on in? The- come on, Joe, carry on, mate. No, no, I was just going to say there's so many talk shows. How do you try and make yours more different to other talk shows? Well, the top, I think that the thing that differentiates a lot of talk shows is the topics they cover. And so, or, and also the personality of the host. So, yeah. you know, I'm likable and friendly and irreverent. And so uh, I'm approachable. I think um, we've got other hosts that are, you know, acerbic. Some are knowledgeable some are goofy and so it just depends like what kind of personality you gravitate towards and then of course the content uh a lot of late night talk shows the traditional format is to invite 
guests on that are celebrities so you can learn about what projects they're doing. Up Early Tonight um, has not reached that format yet. We opened during the pandemic, so we have no guests. It's all like, you know, just in-studio banter with comedians and there's no audience yet. Um, but you can hear laughter on the shows, which at first I thought was weird. And then I thought, I kind of like it. Um, but ideally, if we get greenlit for more episodes, you know, uh, now that people can be in studio and distance and mask safely, then uh, yeah, then it would be a different kind of feel. So is the, um, the she done four episodes, you say? So you say you're waiting for like an approval for to do film some more? Is it so, so how many did you, did you film for altogether? Is there more to come out or are you still waiting for approval on? As far as I know, what what's out there is what's out there. And if we do record more, I'll let you know. But um, but the way most television works um, is it's like recorded ahead of time and then released. First of all, it's like a production company pitches it to a network and then, a, you know, to many networks and then the network decides if it fits their sensibilities or their time slots. So that's a whole thing. It's not like Hulu invented the show. It's um, produced by a comedy uh, site called Scary Mommy in, in conjunction with Huggies. Whoop, where are they? Huggies is down there. That which is a brand of you know nappies. Is that what you guys call diapers? Yeah, you plug them earlier. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so anyway, um, yeah. So like that that whole process. And then sometimes it's like the a host will pitch a show and say, Hey, I want to host this show. And it's about this topic. Or they'll say, Hey, we've got this great show. All we need is a host. And so they start to audition hosts. Um, and sometimes they have one in mind and then they work together with the host to create the show in the host's voice. Like it, so it's, it just varies. It varies like what kind of show is out there and, and what's already, what already exists, what like hold they're trying to fill in the schedule too, of like, well, we already have you know, this guy doing late night with a live band and guests. So now what we need is, you know, I've seen like talk shows where it's like nerd based talk shows that are kind of game show based, uh, like a game show talk show hybrid. Like there's a lot out there. How did you find How it? How would you then? think? Um, uh, do you want me to... Yeah, how did you find it with the four episodes um, in then? How, how did you find the format and what sort of feedback did you receive? And well, what I recorded, you know, I recorded in about October and then they aired it in December. So they had to have like they had to edit it. And and I had not seen the sketches that were going to be spliced. I didn't know the names of the episodes or the order of the episodes. I just knew I was recording monologues and we were shooting the breeze doing panel. So I didn't know what it would look like or sound like. <laughs> I didn't know like the theme song, like what the set design was like. I just knew what I saw when I recorded. So that was fun and kind of scary to see, oh, did it come together or not? And I think they did a great job. I think it's super cool. I love the writing team. I think they, I, they weren't on location with me. So they wrote stuff ahead of time and then, you know, we would read it. So I liked, I thought they did a lot of good hard work too. Well, did you, uh, sorry, Joe, you want to ask a question about them to clip you off? Yeah. yeah. Um, I just wanted to know, um, how would you think, um, how would you think we could see more women on wholesale on TV shows and everything on TV? Cause there's not that many, is this so like, how do you think there could be more women um, implemented into hosting TV shows? Well, I don't think there's a lack of women who want to. I think that there's yeah. plenty of supply. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I do think there's demand also. But um, I think where it becomes tricky is the people who are making the decisions and who in those decisions, they decide who they want their show to appeal to. So they might that's called the demographic and they might decide our yeah. demographic is 18 to 35 males or, you know, 50 to 70 year old women, you know, so they decide 
who they want to target and who they think the best person would be to reach that target. But I think the audience is telling them like, quit giving us the same thing over and over again. We want to see someone else. So Lily Singh is getting an opportunity. There was a comedian with red hair in America named Michelle Wolf who had a chance to host a show. We have a woman named Samantha B who has had a long running successful late night talk show. Hers is it's on cable. So our goal is to kind of get a network based talk show. So network meaning like the four main channels that are airing on TV. Although now with streaming, it's okay for people to have a a Hulu based talk show or a Netflix based talk show. Amber Ruffin is on a network called Peacock, which is run by uh, that. Yeah. That streaming channel was created by NBC, which was one of our main big networks. So for her to be a woman of color, a woman and a woman of color, and, you know, being given this, these keys, uh, is really huge. And, you know, Ellen DeGeneres, obviously that's daytime talk. We've got the view, which is women hosting a show, but really it's about like late night women in late night is the barrier to break. Cause women during yeah. daytime has been happening. I don't know. I don't know what it would take besides people to keep talking about it and tuning in, obviously like watch it so that they can't say well the ratings weren't there the numbers weren't there people don't really want it and it's like the, the truth is people don't really want the ones with the male hosts either like yeah, you can true. base it on ratings yeah. they give they give male hosts like i think more leeway than they would a woman host they give a woman like one year to test and they give a guy four years sometimes so even that's like hard to say that that's the uh the the marker of whether or not it's going to stick but um and also like do you start out with a celebrity you know, like Wanda Sykes. I don't know if you know her. Not up too sure who she is. I don't know if she had, okay, she's a she's a comedian, um, really well established in the United States and beloved, and she's a celebrity. So it's kind of like if you're giving, if you're like letting a person that's recognizable. In fact, Drew Barrymore has a daytime show now, and she's was a celebrity first versus me, an unknown. Like I'm known on the comedy scene, but America at large, unless they see me in a commercial, they probably <laughs> don't know. You know who I am. And so they're like, Oh, this girl's nice. She's doing a good job. But, um, you know, that's not the same thing as like, Oh, you know, who has a show Cardi B she's going to have our own talk show. We got to watch that, you know? So, uh, so they, they always try, they, you know, television networks try different things to see what works, but in the world of late night and as an audience member who loves late night, I would love to see more women hosting yeah. and me hosting 100%. more. <laughs> I would definitely, yeah. um, definitely say the U- the UK has way less uh, women presenters, women 100%. reporters. I mean, you look in the United States of America, and there's a lot of um, more well known women personalities, a lot more successful women personalities because they've been given the opportunity. I think our country, not to slay it, it doesn't give um, as many opportunities I think as the US does. But like I said, there's, there's always room for more and more. There's, for sure. And also it's space. like, well, who's making the decisions? You have to look at what that demographic looks like. You know, if it's a lot of white right. guys and they're cisgendered and they're heterosexual and they see themselves in the next young man, they're going to be like, oh my gosh, this guy reminds me of me. Give him a shot. <laughs> and so it's kind of like a natural inclination. It takes, you know, hiring other people that don't look like that to see themselves in the cup, the next generation. And also to know what it's like if I was given the keys of like, well, I knew how hard it was for me. So I would be more inclined to help people that look like me because I know we're not just like given a ton of opportunities and a ton of chances over and over and over again. Yeah. It's like you said, Charlotte, uh, there's loads of male, male comedians in there, but I I barely know any female male comedians over here. It's definitely more male oriented over here. hundred percent. I think it's a lot, lot of the world though, isn't it? With, um, yeah. Like I said, 
And people have got a lot of work to do in terms of to so start pushing female talents. I mean, if you follow the women's football, but I did a lot of well, soccer in um, United States, but I was in football over here. Yeah, um, okay, that, gotcha. That, that started to get a bit of a name now because um, before no one really followed it, but they started to get like big, big channels, you know, BT Sport over here, maybe not. Um, Right. Get, and I think of a well-known women's star, Megan Rapinoe from the United States. Yeah. Um, so they're starting to um, get a bit more. I think in certain sports, certain aspects, women are starting to be um, given more of an opportunity and more marketed, marketed a bit better. But I think there's always mm-hmm. always room for improvement. and Definitely, it needs to be more improvement a bit. Um, one question I did want to ask was, what's one of your um, best venues and best crowds that you've um, done a stand-up show at that was like, that stood out to you like a lot that was really, oh like really I, I've said this before but one of my favorite performances was Radio City Music Hall because it's a hallowed New York venue but also because I was opening for Aretha Franklin who was a legendary singer it was um, before she passed away and I did 20 minutes of stand-up in front of a full I forget how many seats I want to say 5,000 maybe it's 3,000 I have to look it up but it was a big room it's great <laughs> and um, and yeah that was one of the really memorable shows I've done and I'd have to think harder on every other thing because they all become a blur after a while. But um, I just, you know, it's it's cool to do stand up anywhere. I think the more varied the places you can do it, the better it makes you, whether it's outdoors, indoors. I haven't done some goals are like perform for people imprisoned, like imprisoned people, people overseas, like serving their country. Um, just people in a different country who don't speak my language, but who, I mean, who might I would ideally they would speak English, but yeah. whose language I might not speak um you know just just to try to make the goal of tapping into what makes you funny but also connecting with what everybody can find funny and the goal isn't to become like the most general universal person but the goal is to like really flex your muscles and really you know know when the the odds are against you to succeed that you can still succeed so do it yeah um you know like um it just takes, it just takes years and years to work towards that, but it also takes, you have to get out of your comfort zone and learn how to do the job when things are tough. So, so yeah, it's, uh, there's a, there, I think there's more oh, like hospitals, kids who people who, you know, whose health is failing them. I think it would really, really be cool to make them laugh as well. Yeah. A lot, but, a lot idea, yeah. yeah. And not just jaded drunk people in a bar, you know, <laughs> they deserve to laugh too, but <laughs> A little bit less. But it's nice to branch out beyond them. Yeah, that's true, too. Um, a couple of final questions on me. Um, if you could have dinner with three people, who would it be? If I could have dinner with three people? Mm. And they're all living? Like celebrities or Yeah, family? I say living, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm too on the spot. I think it's too... But okay, uh, so who would it be cool to... You know what would be cool to meet? Because like when I work... I worked for a while in celebrity journalism. So I got to interview a bunch of celebrities for people. And uh, I, I met a lot of folks, but I didn't meet everybody I thought would be cool to meet. So a comedy person or a person in comedy who I respect and admire, who I'd like to actually sit down and talk with if they could be bothered. Steve Martin would be fun. Jerry Seinfeld would be fun. Um, Joan Rivers, even though she's passed away, would be great. Um, and then I'm trying to think of I've actually sat and talked with Wanda Sykes, who you really should look up and enjoy. But uh, but I didn't, you know, when you do meet celebrities, you don't sit there and bother them the way yeah, yeah, I don't fans fumble, do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did talk, but it was very polite. Like, oh, how are you? How are you doing? Yeah, play it cool, play it cool. 
So her again, I make her eat dinner with me and answer my questions. All right. So that's my list. How about you, Joe? <laughs> Um, that's a tough one. Um, I'd probably be Keanu Reeves because he's probably my favorite actor of all time. I know. Time. Wouldn't um, that be fun? That yeah, would be great. Keanu Reeves <laughs> off the bat. Um, <laughs> I'd probably go, uh, it's, it's actually tough. Um, probably go with um, a basketball player since I've got an actor in there. I'd probably go, uh, um, let's go. Yeah, somebody in sports. Let's go Dennis Rodman. Let's, let's go Dennis Rodman because sure. I think he had some... It had some flair to the dinner party, and what's what I've got an actor, a, a sports person, and uh, do you need a political it, figure? I'm really not that impressed so, by presidents, but you should pick a president or something. Yeah, Barack Obama, Winston um, Churchill, Boris Johnson. Let's chuck him in there if and laugh. Then really, I didn't expect that. <laughs> let's go, Boris. Let's chuck him on the if we if we're having someone political. Well, I'll be honest, with you, it wouldn't be invited to mine. So mine would be, um, I'd say, but I, I always love Barack Obama. I think he's just a great guy. I'm sure know. he's a good combo. Yeah, and he's a really good laugh. Um, yeah, like Barack Obama, Joe Rogan. I've always just <laughs> love his podcast. Give love it time. Podcast. You do a podcast. I'm sure you'll be on his podcast. There's like <laughs> the, dream. the dream. We can all. Dream. Why is that the dream? I mean, because he's so adept and because he's so like. Uh, because people are pretty polarized about him where I am from. Like my husband loves him yeah. and I'm always like, he's problematic. Look what he said again. Look what he did. I appreciate him as a standup. I really like his, uh, I like his standup specials. Have you seen his standup? Uh, a little bit. I've watched some of his Netflix specials. I, I'm, more, I'm more interested in his, in his podcasts. I've, I've seen a lot of his, um, stuff. I don't, I don't want to get too much of his comedy to be honest with you, but I get, I love his podcast. Yeah, that's, Interesting. I, yeah, I yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. As well, so I, mean, I love him from that. Okay. Bit, then, so. yeah, if you love USC, then, yeah, you got to love Rogan. Um, what about David Beckham? Is he not that exciting to you? Uh, uh, yeah, he's all right. I just feel like probably better people. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a bar, I've got you, Rogan. You've seen too much of him. That's the problem. You're like, hey, I already know what he would be. I know your life. That's a bit of someone else. Probably, you know, CR7, Ronaldo, because he's just... I was going to say nutrition. Yeah. I know. Yeah, of course. And I'd love to pick his brain on that because he just treats his boy like a temple. And then there was an extra seat. I'd invite you, Abby, because you seem really cool. But I'd invite you. For the yeah, party. and we can did I, it. Look, dream come true. Dream you come guys. True. Can I just change mine? Can I have the guy with the hangover? Like, um, Zach Galifianakis? Yeah, yeah. With I the beard? Because he's hilarious, yeah. He's very <laughs> funny. Him, yeah. <laughs> and even um, Jim Carrey as well. I think Jim Carrey. Oh, my gosh. I know. There. Jim Carrey, his, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like we, we see them do their work, and then we want them to do their work in the conversation with us when yeah. probably if they're having dinner, they're just going to be like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> they're just going to be like, like I want whatever. Jim Carrey to do like a random noise or something or like a random switch like at the dinner party when he's eating. It'd be amazing to see. Make a random noise brief and there. Yeah, a, I hear you. That's a pretty cool list of dinner, dinner parties, to be fair. Definitely, definitely the dream. Um, I feel like they're all very approachable for us. We didn't, except for yeah. me picking Joan Rivers, who's dead. I don't think any of us, <laughs> I think we all could have these dinners in the next 10 years. Oh, we'll okay. circle back and figure oh, it out. Hopefully, yeah. That's that's the dream, as they say. I, I always said to myself, if I was ever going to, I don't do, I've done drugs or smoked a cigarette, anything like that. But if I was ever going to do weed, I would do it with Joe Rogan on his podcast. That'd be, that'd be the only time I'd do it. One time, <laughs> that's it, boom. <laughs> just try it with him and just, just live the experience. Um, but yeah, Joe, if you have anything else to add on to the uh, to Ask Gabby or anything else to add? No, that's fine. Yeah, it's been 
such a fun podcast. Yeah, I'll be honest. Yeah, I've, I've I had a great time. Thanks, guys. For ages. So my voice has been sounding a bit, a bit weird. I've had a bit of a cold. So I'm fighting back a cold. But... Oh, get well soon. But honestly, it's been great to have you on. I've been wanting to do this for ages. And I can't believe you said you got wait, wait for someone cool to promote. Because honestly, you've got so much to talk about, which is amazing. And so many projects that you work on. I'm like, so good I to talk about. I love to talk. So. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. I had a great time. Uh, You know, eat some chicken soup and... um. <laughs> Chase, chase those an dreams. Have an Dennis Rodman will be soon. Dennis Rodman will be soon. I really think it's going to happen for you guys. All right. Have so. a good night. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'll be back with you. I'll be quick. Thank you. Bye.